Today's passage is from Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and will you not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. This is the word of God. You know, this past month, it seemed like every phone call that I, that I took, it was just heartbreaking news from loved ones, close friends, family members. I was wondering out loud to my wife, uh, man, why do I feel so just like tired all the time? Probably multiple reasons. But I realized that... Uh, What's been on really my heart has been uh, different brothers and friends, even colleagues who are going through just tragedies, great loss in their lives. And as I'm looking from afar, uh, I myself became overwhelmed um, at, at just the pain that they're going through. You start wondering sometimes, God, are you, are you paying attention, you know, just to, to the pain? Are you paying attention to these troubles, even to the injustice in, in just wider society? And sometimes I felt like it's just so frustrated, even disappointed. And it seemed like sometimes my prayers and anxieties uh, kind of just withered away because I was just waiting and, and, and just waiting for too long and not much had changed. Maybe things even got worse. Have, we, have you been there? Just wondering, you know, how long will I feel this lonely? How much longer will this overwhelming busyness persist in my life? How much more can my family really handle? When will I get that job? When will this pain end? Where is the justice? God, are you paying attention? Last week during our Easter celebration, we heard how because of Jesus, and sacrifice and resurrection from the, from the dead, and he conquered death and sin, that we now share in this inheritance. And we too can look forward in hope that we will resurrect, that we will have life everlasting and share in these riches with Christ. And that is a hope that we hold on to. That is our destiny and our end. But what about right now? Like right now, when that glorious destination seems so far right now in this messy middle and one of God's prophets his name is Habakkuk and he asked similar questions God are you are you even paying attention to all of this 
Things are going terribly. Why don't you do something? Where is the justice? Today we'll see through Habakkuk's prayers to God, his, his struggles to cope with what's really wrong in his world. And today's word, I pray, will instruct us as a church on how we can go about and work through these frustrations with the Lord. We begin with Habakkuk complaining to God. Let me just read this, these verses once more. This is chapter 1, 1 through 4 of Habakkuk. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, and strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, good for nothing, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, and so justice goes forth, but perverted. What was happening was the people of God had been split by internal conflict into two kingdoms, Judah and Israel. And Habakkuk is focusing his attention on the people of Judah. Judah had fallen into a cycle of sin and idol worship. That means the chosen people of God, who are supposed to be representing God in his holy ways and living in purity apart from the rest of the world, were totally abandoning God's law and no longer representing him. So Habakkuk realizes this, and he's asking God to stop this injustice. And so within his own society, within the nation of Judah, he's seeing all this injustice. Instead of peace, he sees violence. Instead of honest integrity and just God-honoring work, he's seeing cheating. And so he turns to God. We too can turn to God. Turn to God, because he's listening. This is a complaint. Does everyone see that? This is Habakkuk complaining. That's how he opens his prayer. But Habakkuk, he shows through his complaint that he is confident in God's goodness by appealing directly to him. Does that make sense? He's because Habakkuk trusts God to make things right, that's why Habakkuk complains to God. Has, has anyone ever experienced that in your life? Like, I, uh, not too long ago, I was trying to get um, just a, a document from the government. And this had to do with kind of my uh, just line of work uh, in the military, just trying to get through training. And it's pretty bureaucratic process. There's a lot of forms to fill out and a lot of people who kind of check off on this work. And for some reason, I thought I was doing everything on my end. I submitted all the paperwork, and I was just waiting. Weeks went by, even a couple of months, no change. And I would email back, and I would call just frantically. Uh, these people who were at the office were supposed to help out with all this. And nothing, right? No movement. And so I would just keep on coming. It's like, oh, my goodness. And I was just 
rant and rave, and I was just sending all these emails. It probably got to the point where they're like, don't talk to that guy if he calls again, because he's like, he's problematic. <laughs> and so finally, just through a turn of events that I didn't really have control over, someone happened to email me saying, hey, so how are things going in this uh, program that you're in? And can I help you with anything? And you know, it was a pretty high-ranking officer, and I said, actually, ma'am, I have a request. There's this one form that I need uh, to be approved before I can move on, and I don't know what's going on with it. Could you help with that? 24 hours later, done, right? So apparently, I, should, I was just talking to the wrong people. Does it make sense? I just wasn't talking to the, the, the decision makers, right? And so they were probably just as frustrated as I, as I was. And I was kind of asking something of a person that they had no authority to actually help with. They didn't really have the power to do. And it wasn't until I talked to the right person with the right authority that actually things got done. And so that's what Habakkuk is doing here. He could complain to whoever he wants, but actually this, he's complaining directly to God. He says, I see injustice in your people, God, and this is way beyond, I don't know, maybe our ability. And so God, what is going on? And this is instructive for us, I think, because, you know, I don't know about you, but there's different ways that I cope with these frustrating situations where I see the need for change and I don't there's several ways you know it's like sometimes I complain to maybe whoever's around me sometimes I shoulder the world's problems kind of all on my own I don't know if, if you're like that too you just got well I'm, I'm just gonna hunker down and try harder right I'll just take care of it myself Sometimes that entails trying to seize control of what's in my grasp. I do that a lot. Sometimes it gets overwhelmed, you just shut down. You just want to take a nap. And these coping mechanisms, um, you know, they just tend to kind of, we just tend to remain anxious and frustrated through it all. And so this, Habakkuk's example, is an invitation for us, likewise, to actually turn to God, bring those worries to God. And why would you bring anything to anyone if you don't trust that they're going to actually listen and do something about it? And so Habakkuk has this trust and confidence in God. He is complaining to the one who can make all things right. Habakkuk is complaining and, and it shows that he fully ex expects God to be God. He's, in other words, he's saying, God, can you just be God already and do something about this? And so we too, when we see something that is just so unjust and painful, out of reach, out of our control, we can too can turn to God to make things right and trust that he is listening in other words, it takes faith in God to complain to God, right? And I want to encourage us that this is okay. Sometimes, I don't know about you, I'm kind of in certain settings, and the kind of, I feel like the, maybe the social expectation is to have very clean, polished prayers, you know, when we pray like in groups. But can you imagine if like you're in a group and it's like, all right, let's just like, let's just pray to close out. And then someone prays like Habakkuk, God, everything's wrong. Nothing's going right. Where are you? Amen. 
You know, and, and like that's how they end. Like, but that's his prayer. And it's like totally fine because he's saying like, God, I don't know where you are and I expect you to be here. But God, I don't feel your presence. I don't really see your goodness right now. And so God, I'm turning to you. I'm not turning to myself. I'm not turning to anyone else. I'm turning directly to you. And so practically, I'm encourage us. I think we can learn from this and say we could learn to redirect our worries into prayers to God. Redirect your worries into prayers to God. And we trust because he is listening. Because he's listening. You know, Habakkuk has yet to notice how far-reaching God's purposes go. And what Habakkuk thinks should be kind of the right course and how things ought to be is about to be expanded by God. Because God replies. That's how we know he's listening. He replies. And God's reply to Habakkuk's complaint is, I am working, but it's bigger than you know. So this is how God replies in verse 5, and I'll just kind of summarize parts for us. It says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So already, he's already kind of lifting Habakkuk's eyes up. Habakkuk, he's concerned with, ah, this nation of Judah is so wrong and my life is terrible. And God is saying like, "Uh, yeah, the nation of Judah, yeah, there's some stuff wrong with it, but look to the nations. This is going to be way bigger than what you're initially praying about. It's going to involve much more people in a longer period of time, many more moving parts than you know. He goes on to say, you know what God's replies? It says, for behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, a.k.a. the Babylonian Empire, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves, meaning they just make up all the rules. They're the big bullies. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. They all come for violence. They gather captives like sand. And at kings and rulers, they laugh. They laugh at every fortress because they just take it over. And they sweep by like the wind and go on. And their own might is their God. That's God's reply. The vast and powerful Babylonian empire were going to completely decimate and take over Judah. This violent and cruel empire. The Babylonians was God's answer to Habakkuk's cry for justice. Here's the main idea. Here's the main idea of today's message. Is this, that even now, even now, God is working for his glory and for our good. Even now. Think about what God just said here. God's plan to bring justice to the nation of Judah is to have a cruel and ungodly empire who does not respect anyone and who doesn't care about God to take over. So Habakkuk, he expresses his confusion and disbelief about God's vision of justice. He goes, huh? 
And he continues on. I'll just read some excerpts here. He prays back to God. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Should you be silent while the wicked Babylonians swallow up the people of Judah who are more righteous than they? Will you let really let these Babylonians get away with this forever? Habakkuk is troubled by God's reply. Have you ever been troubled by God's word and his reply? You're saying, God, that doesn't make sense. I'm asking for justice for Judah not to wipe us out. And especially at the hands of such an evil empire. Are you just going to let them get away with that? What does that say about you? What does it say about us? It's, none of this makes sense. Even now, is God really working for his glory and for our good? So what does Habakkuk do next? He waits on God. Habakkuk waits for God's reply. This is what it says in chapter 2, verse 1. So I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he'll answer my complaint. So Habakkuk complains. He's confused. He expresses that all to the Lord. And now he waits. He waits on the Lord. And God's reply is this. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. So as Habakkuk is waiting on God's reply, and God replies, God's reply to Habakkuk, as Habakkuk is already waiting, is, wait more. <laughs> wait. So you see, God is preparing Habakkuk. And he's saying this, what seems like a delay to you, is not really a delay. God's timeline is simply different from ours. Said in another way, God is never in a hurry. You know, like, it's funny how things uh, kind of make a little bit more, how you learn more about yourself uh, as you get into a relationship with others, and you kind of like compare and contrast. For me, I know compared to, for example, my wife's family, uh, my family is a family of rushers. We rush. Like, we, if you ever hung out with my side of the family, there's no walking speed. You understand that? Like, everything, everywhere we go, it's a trot at the slowest, you know? There's no walking. You're either standing still or running. And we rush. We have the spirit of hurry in our lives, right? But God is in not a hurry. Whereas I want things done right now, or I have a very specific vision of a timeline of how things in my life should fall into place. God is working. Are we willing to wait on him and trust that he is working? So God here is he's preparing Habakkuk. He's like, oh, it's coming. It will be fulfilled. 
But if it seems slow in coming to you, just wait. Just wait. It's not really a delay. God is bringing about justice. Even now, God is working for his glory and for our good. So see how God does judge the Babylonians. I'll just read some excerpts. He continues on and he says, Look at the proud Babylonians, the arrogant ones. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. This is God speaking now. He's, he's judging Babylon. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. He continues to describe Babylon and says, You know, their, their open mouths are like a grave. They're so greedy. They extort people. They take over. They're cheating and they're, they're, they're taking over people and, and swallowing them up. But soon their captives will taunt them and they'll mock them saying, what sorrow awaits you thieves? Now you'll get what you deserve. Because you have plundered many nations, now all of them will plunder you. So there's justice coming for Babylon. For as the waters fill the sea, this is verse 14, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. And so God is assuring Habakkuk here is that yes, there are people and there will be forces and influences in life, in society that seem unstoppable, that seem so cruel, that seem so just totally against the will of the Lord. And they think that they're the superpower. They think they're untouchable. They'll think that we can get, get away with whatever we want for as long as, how, for as, long as we want. But God assures them and reminds Habakkuk, but as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled, completely saturated with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. So God, what he's saying to Habakkuk is like, yes, there are people who don't care a lick about God. But I am working in such a way where the glory of the Lord will be known. And he continues on and says, and he's condemning uh, uh, Babylon. He even says things like, you cut down the forest of Lebanon, now you will be cut down. You destroy the wild animals, and then so the terror will be now yours. Meaning, he cares about more than just a political nation. He's talking about all of creation. We get a heart, a glimpse into the heart of God and the plan of God to save people, yes, but to restore all of creation here. And God is working even now, even through great evil. And God's last words here in the book of Habakkuk is, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. What are some things we can learn from this interaction, this prayer and God's reply? A few things, I think, that God is God, and I'm not. We're not God. I'm not ultimately in charge. I don't know about you, but that's something I need to be painfully reminded of again and again. God's ways, his timeline, the way he goes about things, they're much higher than ours. We could also admit that, you know, I might not be noticing how God is actually working. I might not be noticing it. 
because it's not what I expected. It's not what I imagined. In fact, it can go sometimes totally against what we wanted. And so we can admit that. That's what part of waiting on God means. We're waiting on God. We're open to whatever God has to say, even if it doesn't match your original request and prayer, even if it doesn't match your original vision of how things ought to go. So we can admit that. That's what waiting on God means. We wait on God and his reply, trust that he is working. But I also admit that I might have not been noticing how God has been working because it just did not match my own idea. And so our attitude can be, be surprised by God as you search his word, as you pray, as you wait on his reply. Be surprised. Perhaps God has sent help in such a way that you did not expect. You didn't know that you really needed to uplift your spirits. Perhaps God is actually working through your current pain and your current loss. And we're saying, like, I don't see any good in this. I can't wait for this to be over. When will better days come? But we see here that even in great evil, just like we heard about a week ago in this uh, Good Friday message that God works good out of evil. That's what God does. That's the good news for us. That even now, God is working. He's working for his glory. You've noticed that God is working and moving amongst nations. And it's not really about Habakkuk's personal satisfaction. In other words, when you hear that, and when we claim that God is sovereign, right, we need to be careful in equating that with, well, God must bless me no matter what. And because God blessed me in such a way that I approve of, God is surely sovereign because he's bringing all the pieces together for me. Right? That's, that's a temptation, right? But we see in Habakkuk's story that just wasn't the case. It was totally not what Habakkuk wanted or expected. But God is sovereign. Instead, how we see God work is he works out his salvation in such a way that he alone may be glorified. And we see this again and again through God's word. That God works in such a way his salvation in such a way that he alone may be glorified. On our side, you know what that feels like, though? You know what that feels like? For us as humans, it feels like as God is doing that work where he alone may be glorified, he alone is a savior, it feels like that we're at the end of our rope. For us, it'll feel like that all hope is lost. It'll be frustrating because our definition of what's good and right may be being upended. But when that happens, when you're so frustrated, let's pay attention and wait on God. Because maybe God is reforming and correcting our perspective and our belief so that God alone is glorified. And whatever is taking its place, is being done away with. Even now, 
do we know that God is working out his justice, his salvation, his peace amongst the nations so that he will get the glory and it's really for our good. Habakkuk's concern was he was praying for others. Did you catch that? God, Judah, the, the whole nation, there's something wrong with our society. Everyone else needs to be fixed. Everyone else needs to change. The Babylonians, them too. And yet, Habakkuk finds himself himself being changed by God, not just others. The eternal God who can move around nations sovereignly also cares about Habakkuk's personal transformation. This is how he ends his, his prayer. He learns to hope in God. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, he, he, his final prayer is this, O Lord, I've heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. And in wrath, remember mercy. It's kind of just a fancier way of saying, God, I remember and I'm recollecting. Now I'm going to remember how you have already been good. Because there have been times of trouble. This is not the first time. And he starts recollecting Israel's history, how God has chosen the people of Israel, not because they were so amazing and so more right, much more righteous. He kind of got that part wrong. They were not much more righteous than anyone else. They weren't that special, but God, out of his grace, chose Israel. And despite all their messed up sin, and despite their constant rebellion, God will continue, even then, to work out his salvation so that he would receive the glory. He was concerned for their good, and he will keep on rescuing his people. He will rescue them, and this is the first empire that he rescued them from. They were enslaved for hundreds of years in Egypt, and with a mighty hand, God rescued them so that he alone would be glorified. So Habakkuk, do you see what he's doing here? In his present, he doesn't really see any goodness, and the future vision that's given to him is also pretty terrible and bleak. And so the only thing he has going for him is he, he turns back and he looks back and says, okay, God, nothing really makes sense here, but what I do know is what you have already done. What I can remember is your track record of good and how you have saved and how you have come through before again and again. That's instructive for us because that's what we can do too. I wonder how many of us are going through some difficulties and troubles or you know others in your life who are close to you where it's just overwhelming and there doesn't really seem to be clear, short, neat answers. Even when people are asking, hey, how, how are you doing? How have you been? It's like, you don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know? It's like, uh. And so to be polite, we, we kind of try to like offer up some encouragement, but really it's like, there's no answer for this. I don't really see a clear way forward right now. And so what we can do in these times is we can recount, we can remember how God has already been faithful so that we can trust God in the present and the future.
practical ways, if you journal, if you have scrapbooks, if you have photo albums, look back on those. I have a friend recently this past week just kind of um, was saying this. They said, um, you know, we tend to take uh, pictures of things that bring us joy. And so maybe just look through your photo roll just to kind of recount and remember, oh, yeah, God has been so faithful. I just forgot. How God has surprised me again and again by sending help just at the right time. Especially in those moments where I just thought it was too late. But God came through. I remember that now. And especially remember the work of Christ. That even despite all the sin and the rebellion and the devastation and the rejection that Jesus faced, God sent his one and only son to go through even greater evil, getting murdered and crucified on a cross to work out his justice, his mercy, his goodness, his salvation. And so Baca closes like this. He says in verse 16, I hear this and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people, the Babylonians who invade us. I hope we see that we see kind of the emotions that Habakkuk is going through. He receives God's word. Isn't it wonderful that God replies to us and listens? And yet, God's reply to him is actually troubling news. He says, your people are about to be devastated by another more wicked empire. And their, their day will come too, but that's what's going to happen. And so the news that Habakkuk receives is not heartwarming. It's actually really difficult to swallow. Almost too much to bear. Waiting on God and trusting for him to do the right thing is, it's hard. But what we can be reminded of is this, that Habakkuk, he's wrestling. Does it make sense? He's like struggling through this prayer. He's struggling to process this news before God. I think the comforting thing is we see a picture of this later on in Jesus and his disciples. Remember, Jesus predicted several times to his own disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed and taken away. I'll no longer be with you. And what were the disciples' reactions to that? Were they like, oh, okay, thanks for it. That's God's will, you know, like, well, praise be to God. No, they're like, no, you can't do that. That's surely not God's will. That's not, that's not good. Don't do that. We forbid you, Jesus, to do that. That was a response. And even Jesus himself, in the garden, right before he was betrayed and crucified and mocked and tortured and, and killed, he was in the garden praying, and his prayer was, this cup, this this cup of wrath and suffering would pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. 
sometimes receiving God's reply in the moment, without knowing how everything plays out, it's hard. Jesus' disciples struggled with it. Jesus wrestled through it too in his prayer, as does Habakkuk. It's hard. So this can be our prayer of hoping in God in the meantime. He ends with this, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, and the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. We see here in Habakkuk's closing prayer that sometimes in order to learn how to have a true hope in the Lord, we have to actually face hopelessness. I'm not even talking about like, oh, things are looking up now. There's hope. No, no, even before things look up, when things are not looking up, that's when hope is most needed and necessary. That's where hope is forged and born. In the same way, if you want to have peace, you learn it by going through conflict and chaos. If you want to see the light, you've got to be in the dark. That's where you see the light more clearly. If you want to grow in patience, you learn that by waiting in frustrating delays. And that's what Habakkuk is facing. He sees what's around him and what's, what makes sense to him. And it's like, wow, I just, I don't really see good right now. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. How can he do that? Remember, because he looked back and said, I'm counting on you, God, to be the same good God who delivered again and again. I am counting on you to be the same faithful God who is mighty to save. I'm counting on you, God, to be just as gracious and compassionate and patient. And even though we have to face some of the consequences of our messed up actions, God, the type of God you are is you're turning all of that and working through and in that evil for good, for your glory. So God, I'm counting on you. The good news is that you're not alone trying to resolve all of this. The Lord is with you. He is working even now for his glory and for our good. And he points us. Did you catch this? He points us to the one who is truly good, himself. It's not just, I will rejoice when I receive all this stuff. No, I will rejoice in the Lord. God is our joy. God is our strength. God is our salvation. And sometimes for us to really get that, everything else to be stripped away so that we can really see God most clearly. And folks, that is a part of God's work. Sometimes part of God's important work for us is through great loss. I think that very last line, just want to end with this, is an encouragement for us. It says this, to the choir master, 
with stringed instruments. The last three verses I just read is, it's a song, it's a hymn that's meant, designed to be sung by a congregation. We have a glimpse into Habakkuk's very personal prayer, but it's not private. We have a personal life and faith, but it's not just private and isolated. We're meant to sing these out, process and journey through this crazy faith, not alone, but together, singing with a congregation, with the church, with one another. We turn to God together, trusting that he's listening. We turn and we wait on God together, listening and waiting and being open to him, trusting that he's working. We can hope in God together, trusting that he's our strength. When we are troubled, we can lovingly and compassionately point one another to God in prayer. It's not like, aha, see, because I told you so. Not that kind of attitude, but it's like, hey, me too. <laughs> like, you're having a tough time? Me too. What can we do? Let's, let's turn to God in prayer because he's good. And even now, let's, let's believe that he's, he is working somehow for his glory and for our good. That gives us some permission to just struggle in prayer, honestly. That's okay. We're permitted just to be honest and authentic in our prayers to God. And what would it be like if, if we just kind of were able to allow that space for one another, just to be honest and say, like, I don't know. And maybe there's no quick, nice, neat answer that we can offer to each other in the moment. And we just say, I don't know either, man. but we can struggle through together, singing these songs of hope, but yet I look back and I see how God has been faithful. The ultimate example in Christ on the cross and Christ resurrected. And we trust and we're confident in this, that God is working for his glory, for our good, that he is working. And so let's turn to him. Apostle Paul writes this in the same vein. Hundreds of years later, another messenger of God, he writes this, don't worry about anything. Meaning, yeah, we're going to worry. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean like don't pretend not to worry. It's like, no, you're going to worry. But don't obsessively just get stuck on worrying about that thing. Instead, pray. Turn to God. Redirect that worry to God. Turn to God. Pray about everything. So tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Recount and remember what he has done and thank him. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And we can trust that even now, yes, God is working for his glory and for our good. So let's turn to him. Let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, um, you see better than we do uh, just the, the different turmoil that goes in our hearts beneath the surface. You see um, just the loss that we're struggling through with. 
God, you see um, just us trying to grapple with the consequences of our unwise decisions. And you see just how helpless we feel when there's influences and things that are way just, it seems like, greater than and beyond us. And God, we're turning to you now as a church and declaring once more, God, you are God. And as we wait for you, God, as we learn to wait, to hear your voice, I pray um, just for a real encouragement from you. Help us along, God, in our faith. Grant us the help that we need along the way and the reminders of God as we look back and we, we can truly say, just like you had before, even now, Lord, you are working for your glory, for our good, and so we turn to you. So do your work, O Lord, in us. In Jesus' name, amen.